Welcome to Coming Clean, a podcast that provides a safe place for people to be real and authentic about their struggles to overcome addiction and mental illness. This is the perfect place to share stories of triumph and tragedy with millions of other people who are secretly wrestling with demons that are destroying their lives. The podcast will be educational and informative and will provide hope and inspiration by lining a path to recovery that promises a better life. My name is Peter Estevez, and this is my friend and co-host, Dr. Steve Farber, and I'd like to welcome you to today's episode. Welcome to a new episode of Coming Clean Podcast, a safe space to bring awareness to addiction, depression, mental illness, or simply any social taboo. This platform is intended to help those interested in a journey from darkness into the light of self-reconstruction. If you listen to the similarities, instead of the differences, you will eventually hear a story from one of our guests that will guide you into the light of freedom. And today we're going to do that. We're going to hear the story of uh, Ida Torosian. Torosian, yes, almost. Torosian. <laughs> Ida, welcome and thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Peter, for inviting me. And again, it's, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to be on this platform, share my story, hopefully inspire others. And that's your purpose as well. And I'm grateful that you do this. Well, thank you. Uh, number one, thank you for accepting our invitation. I actually heard your story through one of your uh, uh, Instagram posts uh, about your eating disorder that you uh, battle with and, and, and had several challenges for a while. And uh, I reached out to you and I wanted to uh, have your story. You know, we, we, my, my journey is an addiction. Uh, I've been alcohol free for 19 years. And, you know, I suffer for a long, long time in silence. You know, there was a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And there was no one out there that ever talked to me about my problem. You know, so for a long time, I went on thinking that I was a problem, not that I had a problem. And um, as a result of that, and what the, the, the era that we're living in today with so much access to social media and Google and YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and the ability that we have to be so transparent and communicate with people across the world, um, I, uh, I decided that it was a good opportunity to be able to bring a message of awareness to those people that might find themselves in a dark place for whatever reason, whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, eating disorders. And unfortunately, unfortunately, um, I firmly believe that women have a tendency of suffering in silence more than men do. Uh, even though the opposite happens with communicating, although women are more communicative uh, among each other to talk about husbands and and problems and, and what's going on in the neighborhood and what's going on with their children, I think there's a certain part of the women that they don't talk about deep and profound issues such as eating disorders, uh, any type of addiction, alcoholism and drug use. Uh, they can touch any other subject, but this is a subject that there's a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, um, uh, and, and it keeps us caged. It keeps us in our own self-imposed prisons. For that reason, I wanted to bring you on and I wanted to ask you to share your story. May I introduce you first? Of course. Let's uh, get into it. <laughs> Ida, Ida suffered uh, a severe eating disorder uh, from, for a long, long time, trying almost every diet on this planet, starving herself, binging, perching, over-exercising, hating her body, and calling herself a failure. 
Ida has managed to recover and find balance and peace through changing her outlook and perception of healthy eating and body image. Spending years on her own underlying issues and solving her eating problems uh, and food addiction, Ida decided to embark on a journey of helping others to recover and find their happiness. By becoming a certified holistic health coach and combining different methodologies, Ida now supports numerous people in their transformational journeys. Yes. Again, welcome and thank you for sharing your story. Of course, thank you. Um, Tell us a little bit about you, um, where you're from and how we got here. Great. I'm originally from Armenia. I moved to Los Angeles about four years ago. And one of my purpose of moving here was to get into the acting industry because I was doing acting and TV hosting back in Armenia. I was in a couple of TV shows and I wanted to continue it here in the U.S. as well. Uh, But after some time, I realized that that is not really what my passion is. It was just maybe a cover, maybe a wrap that I wrapped on myself because of external positive seeming pressure as people would tell me, you know, you can do it. You have so much potential. Just look at you. You're going to uh, get into so many heights when you are in the US, in the modeling industry, etc. So it was not what I wanted from my inside. It was just what I thought I wanted. So there was a time that I really felt that I wasn't happy with what I was doing. And I was, you know, auditioning all the time. And I was in a TV hosting here as well in the U.S. And um, I just wasn't happy with it. And when I sat down one day and talked to myself and just analyzed what I was doing, I realized that this is not my true passion. I was just doing this because it was great for my ego. It was caressing my ego that I was kind of at the center of attention from time to time. But it wasn't what my true passion was. And um, after, of course, in that period of time, I have developed the eating disorder, and we'll talk about that. After coming through that and recovering from that, um, I realized that health is one thing that I'm deeply passionate about. And when I looked back into my history, even from high school, from my university studies, the only subjects that I was very interested in were biology, chemistry, but for some reason, I didn't really pay attention to that. Um, and after that, um, I realized that I have come to a path that I want to continue passionately and, of course, changed my, switched my careers into health industry. Now, let me ask you a question. Your health um, uh, disorder or addiction, for lack of a better word, did that start when you were back in Armenia or did that get started here in the United States? It started here when I moved to the U.S. And in the beginning, I was very, I didn't have any issues with eating, with my body. And I remember that when my friends back in Armenia or even here, um, especially my women friends, they would complain about the way they look. They would complain that they eat too much, they eat too less. And I would never relate because for me, I was just in a normal state and I was feeling a little weird that why am I not uh, complaining about my own body? Maybe I need to. And then um, when I was auditioning and trying to make it here, um, I thought that I needed to change my body. I needed to become more 
like this, uh, you know, have a, have a shape that I didn't maybe have become slimmer. And no one told me that, but for some reason I decided that I needed to change. But where did that perception come from? Uh, was that something that you were seeing when you were at additions? Was that something, uh, was that, you know, you're in LA, uh, and, and you are definitely surrounded in a, in a very high pressure environment, uh, by, for both men and women in every aspect is a very competitive uh, environment, particularly in modeling and acting and television and hosting in, in, in a social public setting, okay, as an influencer, as a social figure. So did you develop that, that uh, perception that you need to be a certain way because of what you were seeing in your environment? Or where did that come from? Was it a nervous uh, uh, reaction to the pressures of, of being in a new country and living up to the expectations of what people back home uh, were having of you? Or what was it? It was almost all those things that you have man- mentioned combined. So it was drop by drop. Uh, let's say uh, if I went to an audition, someone made a comment about my weight or the way I looked. Let's say they would say, you know, you're too curvy for this role. Or I would go home and look at the Instagram accounts of the models of that have perfect, quote unquote, perfect bodies. I would want to have that as well. Um, when the pressure that I, when I gained from moving from another country to another country and not finding myself and thinking that maybe that's the reason that I'm not actually finding myself. So all these different things combined, there was not one trigger. It was just different triggers that got me into the world of dieting. And it's a very, very dangerous world because my eating addiction and my, um, disorder, just came from that. It was born just because I started dieting. And many people have different stories. Uh, for someone, it can be an emotional reason. For someone, it can be a different, whole different story. But for me, uh, the main reason, the only reason that got me into food addiction was that I started dieting. So you basically were looking, this is, <laughs> this is very interesting. You were looking to develop a certain shape, a certain image that you thought would be perfect in Hollywood or in LA. And instead, what you did, you thought you were going to die diet in order to get that shape, but you started bench eating. I started dieting first because okay. I wanted to lose weight. I okay. started dieting, over-exercising, and I didn't know anything about eating. I honestly didn't because I was just listening to my body before and eating what I found was nourishing for me. And that is the I think that everyone is supposed to do in, in, in a great world that everyone is supposed to listen to their bodies. And that was, that, that's what I was doing before. But then, yes, I decided to have a transformation, a body transformation, but instead of transforming my inside, my health, I started with the outside. I started with the shape and that is what just clicked off in me. So, um, dieting was, I I discovered calories and I realized that, you know, if I eat less, let's say if I eat, I don't know, 800 calories, which is nothing and no one should do that. Um, I would lose weight faster. If I over-exercise instead of one hour, if I do two hours, if I go to the gym twice a day, I would lose more. So I was discovering this and being very happy about my discoveries and slowly 
slowly uh, losing weight and becoming less energetic, becoming very miserable. Even at that time, I was, I had a perfect number that I wanted to reach on the scale. And that number came from my teenage years. And of course, I can never reach that number because I was smaller. I was a little girl at that time, but I had that image in my head that I wanted to get into that number. And of course, when I was closer to that number, I would look myself in the mirror, pinch my fats that were almost, I couldn't even pinch them, but I saw myself as a fat person, as someone who still has so much work to do. And of course, I, I was always waiting. I, wait, I was waiting to have the perfect body to go to the pool, have the perfect body to wear shorts and this. I was not in the present moment. So that after one year of dieting and, you know, uh, trying to get into the, my goal weight, one day I just snapped. I cheated and cheating itself. It's such a wrong concept because it puts so much emotional connection with food. And the way I work now with my clients, I always, um, tell them that there is no cheating. You either eat a nourishing meal or choose not to eat nourishing meal. And that's it. There is no cheating involved. Um, and when I cheated, I realized that, wow, okay. Um, I can do this from time to time. And one day I just couldn't stop. I was eating and eating and eating and stuffing my mouth with so much food that I, my body just couldn't physically, um, cope with. And it just slowly evolved into a daily thing. I would binge probably twice a day. And I didn't realize that it had something to do with my brain. I, I couldn't understand what was going on. So long story short, um, it took probably one year for me to go into the binging habits. And the cure that I was seeing from binging was going into dieting again. So I was binging, gaining weight, and I realized that, okay, now I have to diet again to lose it. But that was the, wrong, the wrongest thing that I could have done for my body because dieting was triggering it. So you enter the classical cycle of insanity and the classical cycle of addiction. You're powerless over how you want to look. So as a result of that, you become unmanageable. Your circumstances become unmanageable. And you keep repeating the same cycle over and over. Gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight. And then you're now in a, in a cycle of insanity. Exactly, because I was concerned of how I looked, not how I felt inside. I didn't pay any attention to whether I was healthy, whether I had energy, whether I was, my hormones were great. No, I had no interest in that. All I cared about is how I looked, how my body looked. That is why it was just about the external, dieting and purging and binging and dieting. Now, Ida, you're an intelligent woman. You, you went to college uh, and you obviously had enough uh, knowledge and experience. You even talked about it. You alluded to the, uh, to the courses in college that were more attractive to you. And, and, and a lot of them had to do with, with, with uh, your, your health, you know, biology and, and, and such courses. Um, how was that that you didn't catch on that what you were doing was the cycle of insanity? Because it's just... And I want you to understand something. This is not to minimize you or minimize your intelligence. This is for our community to understand how easy it is for every single one of us. It doesn't matter where we come from to become so disconnected to our reality that we enter the cycles of dysfunction that are so harmful to us. 
You're right, because it, it honestly has nothing to do at that point with your willpower, with your knowledge. You just enter into this cycle of insanity. Why? Because your animal part of your brain is activated. And when I explain this to people, I want to make it clear so I don't use the real names of our brain parts. I just use uh, very easy terms for people to understand. So if they could imagine that our brain consists of two main parts, the lower part, which I call animal brain, and the upper part, which is the human brain. And the animal brain is the most ancient developed brain and science. The dominant. Mm-hmm. The dominant. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, it, and so it is responsible for our uh, survival, flight or fight response, etc. And the upper cortex, of course, is responsible for judging, problem solving. Uh, and when we are in this cycle, it's our animal brain that is activated. And it's not us making the decision anymore. It's as if someone else has taken over our bodies. Someone else is sitting inside of our brain, creating another person, and that person is directing us. So I, Aida, who knows maybe one or two things about health and nutrition, she just doesn't have a choice to make a decision because the, the, the part that is responsible for survival is doing that for her. And when we get into this addiction, our animal brain thinks that we need this for survival. Let's say when you were drinking, maybe your brain thought that this is what you need. You do this because you need to survive. When I was binge eating, that was my brain was telling me that I need this for survival. That's why it's so, it's it's easy to get caught up in this. And once you find. And absolutely it is because it's an obsession that centers in your mind, but it's also created by your body. So we have triggered our mind to become so obsessive about what we think or we believe that we do at that particular, we want at that particular point, and then our body starts craving it. Thereby, the binging, you know, the eating, the alcohol excesses, the pornography excesses, the shopping excesses, whatever it is, you know, we make ourselves believe to a point where we program our bodies and we condition our bodies to believe that this is necessary for us to find happiness, to find pleasure, to find whatever it is that we're looking for until we actually get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is by surrendering and admitting that we are powerless over whatever it is that we're trying to deal with it. Make that disconnection between the brain and the reality. So, 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 so let me ask you a question. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we, how did you get to that point where today you can so passionately talk about where you were at, you know, a few years ago and now you actually teach people how to not to fall into those uh, pits or despair. So how were you able to connect that? Where, um, when did you surrender? So I always say that it's, it's a great idea to seek external help from time to time because it's very, very okay and very normal and very helpful to ask for help. And we as women, we not only women, I think everyone, but especially women, we try to do everything by ourselves. When we have a problem, we tend not to ask. We tend to help, but never ask. So um, ask for help. So um, the first thing was that I realized it was hard for me to do this by myself. Um, I seek for therapy. I found a person, um, certified um, psychologist who could help me with this. But because I, I did so much research, I read so many books about that. It was not just the therapy that helped me. It was 
all this information that I was gathering and experimenting by myself and trying on myself and plus the therapy that validated what I already knew, it kind of helped me to develop this package of tools that I started to use. Because it's not, for me, it wasn't just um, a very instant transformation. Some people I know of, maybe they could read a book. There is a great book. And if anyone is suffering from that, I would really recommend. It's called Brain Over Binge. It's a great, great book. And I read it and it helped me immensely in the beginning. Uh, so I know many people who have read that book and started, stopped binging immediately and started to live a balanced life. It wasn't that for me. Um, I read it. I realized that something has changed, but it wasn't enough for me. So I think that just giving yourself time and knowing that it might not be instant. Um, and again, like you said, just understanding that there is a separate brain inside of you. And if you can visually imagine that this is not you making the decision and you have a choice not to listen to that other brain, you can make a change. And one more thing that I would like to mention is that not relating to that person who was an addict anymore, because I used to call myself, oh, you know, I'm a, I have an eating disorder. I have an eating disorder. And words really matter. I started to call myself, I used to have an eating disorder, not in the present. So sure. it's, it really, it's just a, it's a very step-by-step -step gradual process that you can, um, everyone can go through. It's just patience and time. And I'm glad you, you brought that up because that's, that's tremendously important. Uh, words are so powerful on how, who we become and how they affect us on a daily basis. And, but there's also triggers that, that one needs to develop, particularly after you've been active in any type of, of, of uh, self-reconstruction, self-discovery, uh, evolution. Um, you know, you and I talked about this earlier that it's a lot easier to stay stuck in a, in a state of despair, in fear, in anger, in unhappiness. It's a lot easier to do that because there's no energy being produced to push us out of those states. However, when we enter in states of, of pleasure, things that, that, that make us feel happy, there's automatic uh, shots of dopamine that our body gets. That they're, you know, they're produced by movement. They're produced by activity. They they're produced by thoughts or produced by the way we feel about certain and it just almost catapults one thing into another. So, you know, you, you, you talked about going through this process that helped you change, but now, and, and, and now what do you do today not to go back into those thoughts or when you do have those thoughts, because we're human, you know, we we're human. You're going to see a girlfriend you haven't seen in a long, long time and she looks great or you're going to run into a neighbor and she looks great, or you're going to be watching social media. We live in a, we live in a society that we can constantly seeking social validation. Uh, social validation is, it, is it the new currency and primarily because of social media. So what do you do today when you have these thoughts, when you go back there to binging Ida? And you, you're, it's, it's so helpful that you mentioned this, that because 
people think that when they are recovered, it's that's it. If they go back, it means that they have failed again. And it's not the case. You can have triggers after you have recovered. And the, the important thing is to have tools to deal with that. So, of course, nowadays, maybe something triggers a comment from my relative or even someone complimenting me and telling me, wow, your body looks great. It instantly it just triggers, wow, okay, if it looks great, then maybe I should go on a diet again make it even better or if someone would you know if I would see something it might trigger or if I eat something that I was not supposed to it wasn't nourishing for me it might trigger the the thoughts that I used to have and at that time what I found to be very helpful it's very simple I just physically shift my position let's say if I'm having that thought while I'm sitting down I would stand up I would take three long breaths and I know that again people are looking for very um, mysterious ways of you know facing the challenges but it's it's very simple Um, I can I just shift my position I breathe I uh, get into the kind of shift my uh, perception into the into my health, into my inner health, not my my outside um, look and what I have on the on the outside, and these thoughts just disappear. Sometimes when they stay longer, I would talk to my boyfriend, and it's actually very very helpful because the surprise that I see on his face when I comment about, you know, I don't think that I look good. I, I think I'm fat, etc. The surprise that I see on his face that for him, it's, it's what I'm talking about myself is nonsense. It really helps me. So you can, you can share with someone you love that, you know, that is going to support you or just if you're by yourself again, shifting your position, breathing um, is, is, is super helpful. You, you know, social media sensation and, and, and motivational and transformational speaker, Mel Robbins uses a tool, formal TV personality as well. She talks about when she gets into a point where something's bothering her, she just counts backwards from five to zero, five, four, three, two, one, zero. And that immediately is a disconnect between the mind and the body. And you forget what, you, what's, what was bothering. So those are simple little tools that we can implement. You know, I, I tell you that that today what I try to think about when I when I think about something that I did, and we all have those circumstances where we did something dumb, where we did something stupid, where we felt that we embarrassed ourselves. Okay. And I laugh about it now. And I laugh about it because I, I think about it, how silly it was that I behaved that way. Okay. But that that removes the shame, it removes the fear. He removes the embarrassment because a lot of us, a lot of us, this is something that 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 we were taught through our culture. Um, we became victims of the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment that we carry on from, from, from generation to generation. And that was the way people live. We were taught that, you know, being shamed, you know, uh, 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 cast your sins. You know, it, it was a way of... of of maintaining us from, from, from not exploring the better versions of ourselves. Now, you, you mentioned a couple of things that, that, are, that I want to touch on. And you said, when we hear the comments from our relatives, from our family, you and I both come from cultures that, that are very traditional, okay, uh, where there's a lot of expectations uh, in, in, in different manners. Uh, and, and a lot of us are victims of this. We go to a family reunion, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up, Christmas is coming up, the holidays are coming up, and you come home and you're gonna see the grandmother, the aunt, the uncle, 
and somebody's going to be inappropriate. They're going to say, oh, you get too much weight. Uh, I, the one I get often, you're losing your hair. Well, duh. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, you're getting too much weight. You're too skinny. When are you getting married? Uh, when are you having children? You know, those things that, that are unintentionally hurtful because what they're trying to do is be enduring and they don't realize the power of the words. So how do we deal with those circumstances in order to break that? So two things that, two things that, I, that I think is important for us to accomplish. How do we stop the uncle from asking the inappropriate questions? And how do we not allow those things to get into our head that we think that we need to take action? And I think we should answer the, the second question more because we cannot control what our uncle and what our grandma says to us. I think it's it's wired in them and probably it might be wired in us as well for the future generations. We don't know because it comes from, you said, it's such a loving place. It, it, they don't want to be hurtful. It just turns out to be hurtful. Um, I think that, like you said, just having a shield, not letting that words matter to you. And it's hard. It's easy, easier said than done, I'm sure, because it, I remember one time I was uh, in the elevator with my dad. And at that time I was in my, um, I gained a lot of weight because I was in the binging period. And I remember he looked at my at that time through my clothes and he said oh uh, look at this belly or something like that and that just triggered a whole lot of emotional roller coaster for me and he just said it lovingly I'm his little daughter he just didn't even think that it could trigger so much in me but I, I went into dieting and binging later on so just that little word um, so once you develop the tools and understand that the, the words the external pressure and words should not matter. It's all about what you feel. It's all about what you sense inside. It's just not, you're not responsible for someone else's comments and words. It's, it's, it's a mental shift that once you have it, once it clicks, it's just easy to go back to that, to go back to the shield position. And, and I agree and respectfully disagree with you, okay? And, and, and the reason I agree with you is because, yes, we need to make that mental shift. But I think it's also important for us to create boundaries and, 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 and not to allow people to overstep those boundaries without being rude, without being ugly, without being inappropriate. Because if, I, if, if, if our meaning, if our purpose is to create a platform to bring awareness to people, let's give them the appropriate tools to really bring that awareness and to also teach them or help them or guide them to be able to break some of those cycles. You know, um, we end up being the total sum of the five people we spend the most time with. Okay. So if you spend around time with five negative people, you're going to be negative number six, five broke people, you're going to be number six, and so on and so on and so forth. And I think that you can politely tell people, you know, your comments offend me, or I'm not prepared to do that. You know, when I when I went in, I'm, I'm, I'm a businessman, and I've been in business for all of my my, my adult life. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm from Mexico City, I travel a lot to Mexico City. Uh, a lot of my partners spend time in, in restaurants and bars. It's just kind of the culture. That's how you do business. You know, uh, in America, we go to Starbucks and have a 15 minute meeting. In Mexico, we go to a restaurant and have a six hour lunch. OK, and there's alcohol and there's there's all kinds of temptations there. But I created little boundaries. You know, first I would make a joke about it. But when somebody got pushy or out of hand, you know, I would say, you know what? 
I've been in recovery for 19 years and I really can't drink. And if I drink, I start dancing on the tables, I get naked and I do stupid stuff. So, you know, that immediately turn off people and say, well, I'm not going to ask him again. I don't want to see him naked. Okay. (laughs) So I think that we should, we should not hold ourselves back from, from creating a boundary or, or, or adding an extra tool that gives us the, the opportunity to, to stop that harassment, for lack of a better word, to, to, to break that mold so we don't carry it into the next generation. That's, it's a personal opinion. It's something that I think that, I think that we can all work on um, to each his own, but I think it's something that, that, that for me is important. You know, I create boundaries around my family, around my siblings, around my business partners, around uh, even part of our protocol with a conversation before we have a podcast. We ask people, is there any boundaries? Is there things that are up subject? And we do that for that same reason to respect that. And I think we should value ourselves enough not to stop ourselves from creating boundaries, even with family members, even if it's that dear enduring grandmother. In my that is, yes, that is actually such a great approach. It's, and of course, with, with your, as you said, with your dear grandmother, it's going to be maybe a little challenging, but maybe she doesn't know it. Maybe she would appreciate more knowing that and be more kind of, um, I don't know, careful with you next time when she makes a comment. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, now, let's talk about another subject and, and or go back to the original subject. How does a young girl, how does a young man, how does a young person in general today uh, with all the social media pressure, the social validation, the wanting to be part of, because uh, social media, as you said it the other day, can either be your cage or it can be your window into the world. Uh, and I love that quote. In fact, I used it in, 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 in a writing the other day. Uh, with that in mind, how do we identify when we are falling into a pit of despair when we are beginning to maybe develop the, the eating disorder, uh, what, what are the telltale signs that is going to tell us, hey, maybe, maybe I'm going down the wrong path? How can we help somebody prevent this? How can we bring awareness to it? What are the things that we can identify? Um, I think that our body and our, um, our body actually knows the best. When we are feeling great, we know that we are feeling great. It's very hard to fake it. When we are not feeling, let's say, energetic, clean, clean-minded, and just, you know, happy in general, you know that something is off. You know that, let's say, when you're going, you know that you are spending too much time on Instagram, or you are, you're not work, walking enough, or you're not exercising enough. We all know this. So I think the most important um, kind of information that we can get is just from ourselves. When we feel that something is off and every single person does, when, you know, when you were in your, uh, addictional period, you were feeling that something was off. I'm sure you weren't just jumping around with happiness, knowing that, you know, everything is great, but maybe we didn't know where the issue was coming from. So I think that just whenever you feel that something is off, just sitting down by yourself. For me, I think that journaling and just writing down things really, really helps identifying why, where is the source of my misery? Why am I not feeling great? Maybe it's just the fact that I'm not going to my yoga class. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm not drinking enough water or I'm spending too much time on Instagram. And I think by just being guided our own body, we will understand that we need to make a certain change in, in a place where it's needed the most. Um, it's for me, it's just that simple. And, um, 
it when I work with my clients, that's the the way that I suggest them to look into things as well, just be guided by their own self. And like you said, it's very hard to not pay attention to social media because it's there. We cannot shut off everything and just live in a seclusion. It's, it's hard to do that. So again, just slowly and steadily developing these tools of being self-awareness aware that is going to help you not be affected by it because it's always going to be there. We cannot change it. And, and, and that's beautifully said because it's so easy to forget when you are in the throes of addiction, when you are in the throes of depression, when you are feeling down and, and bad about yourself, it's so easy to forget what happiness looks like. Okay. And a lot of times we find the little gaps of pressure in self-destructive behaviors, you know, alcohol, drugs, shopping, whatever, pornography, whatever. So it's, but, but it's very, and, and then we come down from that high and then we go right back into those pits of de- despair. Uh, I think, I think for me, what has worked for me is much like you is developing a series of rituals. I don't call them habits because I truly believe that a habit is something that you can get tired of. And a ritual is something that you experiment and get pleasure out of. It's, 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 it gives you a certain feeling of satisfaction, of being complete, of, of having a purpose. It's a connection between your well-being and your spirit and your soul and your mind and your body. So when we've developed these rituals, in my opinion, we are able to identify when those triggers come on, but we're also able to know what to do about them. It's like creating a toolbox that gives us a window into our mind, and, but at the same time, it talks to those two parts of your head, the bottom yes. head and the top <laughs> head, okay? So True. when they're, they're bickering, they're bickering, there comes a third person that comes in and says, no, this is the solution. And, 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 and like you, I developed a series of rituals and, and, you know, prayer, meditation, exercising, journaling is a huge one. And I think it's tremendously underwriter. Uh, um, <clears throat> it's tremendously uh, overlooked. Okay. Underrated. Uh, you know, if we look back into history, this practices that we think there are trend, this, this wellness, this well-being is something that has been around for thousands and thousands of years since the assistance of mankind kings and queens would look for for people to help them find themselves you know they would call counselor and say hey i'm feeling this way what do i do uh you know they would take care of their well-being they would rely on on on, on external external forces to help them and guide them and give them enlightenment Okay. Now we call them mentors. Now we call them influencers. Now we call them transformational coaches. Now we call them whatever. But this is simple science. This is simple physics. This is simple the existence of mankind and what we need is within us. But we have pushed it aside and believed that if if it was not scientifically proven, then it's not real. Or if it's not in our religious um, protocol, yeah. yeah, protocol is not real. So we were, you know, in 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 your country, much like my country, very traditional countries. That if it was, if the church told you to do it a certain way, that's what the way it had to be done. Okay, in 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 the Western world, it was if it's not proven by science, then it's not real. Now we're beginning to realize the wellness is wellness is wellness is wellness, and wellness is the key to our well-being. 
That is true. Very true. Very well said. And also, uh, like you mentioned, it, it comes from ancient times and the idea of normalizing the fact that you can feel down, you can have disorders. It's fine. It's, it's just now, it's, it's today we, that we give those things names. This is an eating disorder. This is a, you know, depression, but it, it used to be like this all the time because we're humans. So just normalizing that idea that, of course, if I'm experiencing this, I'm not the only one. It's very normal. Maybe we don't want to feel like this because we, don't, we want to change and feel the long-lasting happiness, not the short terms of happiness like you mentioned. But of course, it's normal. Yeah, absolutely. Now tell me, tell me uh, today, kind of walk me through your day, through your morning routines. Uh, what does Ida do in the morning in order to look beautiful, to have that enthusiasm, to have that energy, and to positively influence the people out in the world? So my morning starts with my night because I like to sleep early. And I think that it's a very important thing that we have to get, of course, enough sleep. And we always talk about this, but still... I think that we should talk about it more and more and more because people really don't pay attention to sleep. So I sleep um, earlier, try to sleep at 10 um, p.m. I mean, that's not super early. It's, it's a normal time. Uh, and waking up with the sunrise, it's so helpful for me. Um, waking up at about 6 a.m., uh, depending, of course, when you are in the world, the sunrise is at different times of the day. So developing a ritual, like Peter said, of waking up early and listening to when your body wants you to wake up. So when I wake up early, I love getting waken up with the sun shining in front of my eyes because it just kills the sleeping molecules and it gives you energy. So I would um, wake up and the first things that I do when I open my eyes is just breathe and be thankful. And of course, it's a very cheesy thing for many people, but I think it's super helpful and incredibly valuable to just saying, what are you grateful for? People do three things they're grateful for. You can just say one or two, doesn't matter. It's not about, you know, the counts, just reflecting on what are, what are the things you are grateful for? Then I wake up, I have a glass of water, warm water to start my day. Sometimes I squeeze a lemon in it because it just helps with my digestion and it just gives you this clean canvas to paint your day on. Um, and um, with that clear state of mind, with just, um, you know, uh, this fresh state of mind, I would sit and meditate for about 10 to 15 minutes before I used to use music and maybe guided meditation to help me. Now I do without it. I would just sit by myself in a quiet room. I have a little space that I've created that I can just sit on the floor on my little meditation pillow and just do my meditation for about 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and I don't time it. I, whenever I kind of get out of it, I get out of it. Uh, and I start my day, which consists of I have clients that I health coach. I have some projects that I'm working, events that I'm you know, doing, uh, sharing my passion with other people. I have uh, training. I'm, I'm a personal trainer as well. So I train my clients um, fitness wise as well. Um, and don't never forget to spend time with the people that I love in the end of the day or in the middle with my family, my boyfriends. We just love to go places. And that's kind of a little run through. Perfect. That, that sounds like a very fulfilling life. 
I would say it is actually. I, I would not be ashamed to say it is because I feel that um, we all need to squeeze the juice out of life whenever it's possible. And we have the choice. We can either stay miserable or try to make a change. And one thing that really helped me is that even now, things aren't perfect for me. There's so many things that I'm aiming to do and that I sometimes beat myself up, which I'm not supposed to do, but I do sometimes of not doing this. But one thing that I always ask myself, Aida, if you could live like this for the rest of your life, how can you make this more enjoyable? If let's say you stayed in this position for the rest of your life, you don't achieve anything more, what can you do to make yourself happier? And I think it's a very important concept of, uh, not waiting for your life to start and just do things from right now, from today, uh, because this is the life. It may not even change. We want it to change towards the better, but what if it doesn't? Well, and, and, and that's a, that's, that is an excellent point. And I like what you said about squeezing the juice out of life. You know, I think a lot of times people are waiting for their circumstances to change and they stop living life in hopes that the circumstances change. And three years go by, 10 years go by, 30 years go by, and the circumstances didn't change, their life didn't change, and they lived in a state of misery. And that is a very, very sad place to live in. You know, and I think it's also important what you mentioned about the fact that, that you're still going to have days with adversity. You're still going to have challenges. We're still going to fight our demons. We're still going to uh, deal with life on life's terms. But the most important thing is to be able to build a toolbox that helps you stay in a healthy state of mind. And I think this is the purpose of, 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 of our program. This is, this is the purpose of my platform. This is the purpose of being able to share the stories to realize that we are all, all beings living a human experience. And as beings living a human experience, we are faced with the challenges of the universe. But the challenges of the universe are usually more friendly than the challenges of the human beings. And as human beings, we complicate life. If, you, if we look at the course of nature, nature changes. You know, it rains, it storms, it, it's cold, it's warm, it's, but, but it's constant change and transformation. We are nature. We are life. We are part of that evolution. We need to jump in and be part of it. We need to be alive. We need to, be, we need to participate in what the universe has to offer us. And a lot of times we sit and wait for the man to change us, the change starts from us. Ah, it's such a well said uh, sentence. And I, I, I agree with that, that of course we are just a little segment, just a little particle in this whole nature. And sometimes we just forget about it. We forget that our greatest teacher is the nature. And by looking at the nature, doing its thing without any without paying attention to anyone the nature doesn't care if we love them the nature doesn't care it's just there it's there and doing its things with pride and with consistency and we we should just follow what's a great example that it's setting to us but sometimes we just fail to do so absolutely nature has been around a lot longer than we have and we need to remember <laughs> we need to remember that where can people find you today ida uh, they can find me on social media at Aida Torosian. So it's A-I-D-A, -A, my first name, and T-O-R-O-S-Y-A-N. And of course, my website, which is AidaTorosian.com. I share um, healthy uh, tips and transformational tips that might help others and that has helped me. Um, so if anyone wants 
So I would be happy, of course, to share my story with them as well separately. And of course, work towards a transformation if someone needs it. Uh, so you're, you're actually, you offer coaching services, right? I do offer health coaching services. I do have clients that I work both online and here locally in the Lo- in Los Angeles area. Um, so if anyone needs a consultation, needs to talk, needs just to have a little chat, I'm very open and very happy to do so if anyone has. Can you tell us your website one more time? Of course, it's aidatorosian.com. So my first and last name, A-I-D-A-T-O-R-O-S-Y-A-N.com. Aida Torosia. Yes. So great, to, so great to have you on Coming Clean Podcast. It's been a real, real pleasure. I enjoy this, com- uh, this conversation deeply. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you for participating. Thank you for sharing your life experiences with our community. Thank you for being part of the universe. <laughs> Thank you so much, Peter. I appreciate what you do. I'm so grateful to be on this podcast today and please continue doing what you do because it's just great. We're not going anywhere. We're just moving forward. Thank you so much for being with us on Coming Clean Podcast. Please follow us on social media. Please subscribe. Please join us for our next episode. Thank you so much and we'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening. And if you have not subscribed, please do so today. Thank you, and we look forward to having you in our next podcast.